God's word says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That word honor there means to fix a value upon, to prize, to revere. Young people, let me share with you the truth of what God has to say. One of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest gift that you have outside of your salvation is your mother and your dad. You may not realize that, and you may not believe that, but I'll assure you when you get on down the road, you will. It's something we need to come to realize. It's how precious our parents are to us and how many sacrifices have been made for our sakes. I can stand and testify tonight that as mean as my mother is, she made many sacrifices. And I'm grateful for it. Mother, I want you to know I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate my dad. I love him. And what I'm fixing to ask you young people to do is to go to your mother and dad and tell them how much you love them and appreciate them for what they've done for you. Now, don't be, don't be slow about doing that. I've got to preach tonight. It took me many years to appreciate the sacrifices that my mom and my dad have made for me. I hope it doesn't take you young people as long as it did me to realize how important that is. And I hope when you say that to your mom and dad, how much you love them, how much you appreciate them, you fix a, you, you fix a, a real high price on the fact that you have a mom and a dad. It's very, very important. It's amazing how the songs fit together with what I want to say each night. It's also amazing that God has changed totally my way of preaching since I've been here. I normally preach a little differently from the way I've been preaching. I don't know that you can call it preaching. All I can say is it's just sharing the truth of the Word of God with you and letting God do with it what He wants to do. You know, it's nice to be able to stand here and not be uh, bound up. I'd be intimidated, not feel any reservations about saying what I want to say. I shared with my wife when Brother Charles asked me to come, I said, I hope that I'm not bound when I go to preach there. Well, I'll assure you, if you don't already know, I'm not bound. God's not bound me, and I've been very free and had perfect liberty to say what I've said so far. Now, that may change tonight, I don't know, but... Uh, so far, it's been that way. The only real peace that you have in this world is Jesus. Now, I want to show you something about living in this life, and I hope it brings back to remembrance again. I believe the, the theme of this particular week is bringing back to remembrance. 
I hope this will bring back to remembrance to you many things. With all the frustrations in life, real peace is found in Jesus. Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke again, one of my favorite books. The Gospel of Luke in the third chapter. I'm going to read something to you first of all out of the book of Hebrews and then I'm going to take you to the Gospel of Luke there, the third chapter. Just listen to what I'm reading out of the book of Hebrews first, then we'll go there. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let us not waver from faith. Let us not lose sight of the preciousness of what we have. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, in all points, tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. In other words, he is acquainted with every one of our frailties. He's very well aware of your weakness and my weakness. And so he tells us something else. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The only real peace that you have is in Jesus. Dear precious people, when you get away from Jesus, you lose your peace. Now, I want to show you something about your Christian life and your Christian walk. You can take it corporately as a church. You can take it individually as a person. You can take it on a family basis, whatever you want to do. But in the Gospel of Luke, in the third chapter, as we look at the life of our Lord, verse 21, God's Word says, Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. In thee I am well pleased. This has reference to the Lord Jesus. May I say that I believe that there is something else that you can see from that verse. When Brother Steve Ward came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that the Father said in some sense, this is another one of my beloved children. And in you am I well pleased covered in the blood of my only begotten son. You've become my child. Now, folks, that's important. May I tell you that I have three children sitting here tonight. I have five. And I can stand as a father and say, because they are mine, in them I am well pleased. Just as God says, in the spiritual sense of the word, to every one of us who've been born from above. In you am I well pleased. 
at the moment of being born from above, new life began. Now, if you'll turn to the fourth chapter in the first verse of the Gospel of Luke, I'm going to show you something about this life. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, you remember, it's just been said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Remember that I've said that now he's our high priest and we can go to him in times of need. Now, folks, as you live on the face of this earth, you're going to face many frustrations. You're going to face many disappointments. You're going to face many hurts, many pains. But I want you to know something. There's someone there who can succor you. His name is Jesus. If you stay in touch with Jesus, you can handle anything that comes in your life. I don't care what it is. You can handle it. You can deal with it. And you can deal with it with peace in your bosom. Rest. Now, I want you to notice something about his life. He's been baptized. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three showed up, instituting his public ministry. The beginning, if you will. Just as when you were saved by the grace of God that began your ministry as a child of God. Now, I will assure you of one thing. Once you've been born from above, you're filled with the Spirit of God. You set out to live to the glory of God. It's on the way. Wait. Look out. The devil's right around the corner. Now, don't you think the devil's going to leave you alone? Too many people today have the idea that once I get saved, everything's going to be perfect. Dear precious people, that's not true. That's when the devil's going to jump with all fours. And I mean he's going to straddle your neck and try to choke you to death. Now you watch. Being 40 days in the wilderness, tempted of the devil or the temptation of the devil came. And I want you to notice when it came. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. The very next verse says, And the devil said unto him. Now what I'm trying to tell you is this. The devil is going to come and tempt you at your weakest moment. He knows exactly when to come and knock on your door. He knows. You let your wife have a hard day with the children and you come in in the afternoon and she's wound up tighter than a drum. She jumps you when you come through the door. And you know the devil jumped right up on your shoulder and said, now's the time to really get at her. He knows when to tempt you. He knows how to react. He knows how to handle you. You see, folks, if our God is love, we're supposed to be filled with love. But when we're the weakest, that's when the devil's going to come. And I want you to know the devil knows your weakness, and he knows my weakness in every area, and he knows how to set you up and set the circumstances and let you come through the circumstances to where your weakest point's going to be vulnerable. And then he's going to see what you're going to do. Now, what this says is, do you have faith? Do you have faith? Now, watch with me. The devil said unto him, 
If thou be the Son of God. Now, wait a minute. I just heard just a moment ago. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You know what the devil did? He turned around and said, I don't believe that. Do you? Now, listen to me, folks. When you were saved by the grace of God, in essence, the Father in heaven said, This is my dear beloved child. His name may be John White, his name may be Wade McCarley or John Sanders. Makes no difference. This is my beloved child. But you know what the devil does? He comes around and says, Are you sure you're God's child? Are you sure God will take care of you? Are you sure God will provide for you? He knows just how to work, folks. If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. What do you mean? Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and he was hungry. Now, many of you I know in this fellowship have fasted before. Do you remember when you came off that fast what food was like to you? I almost injured myself seriously after I'd been on a fast for seven days. And I came off, and everything I saw looked like it was the best thing in the world to eat. And the first time I took a bite of anything, I wanted ten times more of it right then. I want you to see the temptation that was set there by the devil. And he said, now if you are the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. And you can eat and satisfy your hunger. That probably doesn't say a lot to us because we've never experienced it in that fashion. But let me tell you what the devil's trying to do there. He's trying to get the Lord to distrust the Father. He's trying to get him to distrust the Father in his provision for him. Folks, have you ever felt like God wasn't providing for you enough? And you had to do something to add to it, didn't you? You had to take it into your own hands rather than walking by faith with God. You took it into your own hands and started to deal with it, and when you did, you sinned. Because God will provide everything we need. Now, this is the basic problem with most young married people. They want everything and they can't wait for God's time for them to have some things. Now, hear me. The marriage starts out initially, and the husband's the provider. But because Satan comes around and said, now if you had this, and you had this, and you had this, you'd be more comfortable. God hasn't seen fit to give you this, and this, and this yet. Therefore, you begin to take it into your own hands and say, now how can I have it? The devil says, now if you'll send the wife to work, you can have it. Rather than being satisfied with the provision God has made, 
we take it in our own hands and we let the devil tempt us and take us away from Jesus. And then the battle ensues in the home. For you see that husband will come home and sit down in that easy chair and let the wife who's come home from work do all the chores in the home. And all of a sudden, the devil's going to take that and get that wife at odds with that husband. And now we're tearing down the home. And folks, I want to know you something. I want you to know something. When the home gets torn down, your church is going to get torn down. It's going to wreck your church. And what we're finding out is we're not satisfied with the provision God's made for us. We won't trust him, go to him in prayer and let him provide it. We take it in our own hands to do it our own way. And what did the devil tell Jesus? He said, command those stones to be turned into bread and you can be fed right now and feel that hunger instantly. And that's exactly what we're doing today. And that's the reason our churches are in the state they're in today. Rather than walking by faith, we're succumbing to the temptations that the devil has put out there. And folks, it's hurting us. I would to God young people could see the truth of that before they wreck and ruin this next generation. For you see, when those children come on the scene and they don't have mother at home to be a mother to them, someone else is going to have to be a surrogate. And that surrogate is never going to have the love that natural mother is going to have for those children. And they're going to be taught in a direction that is ungodly. You're going to lose it. You got to be there, folks, if you're going to build strong churches. The devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now, I want to show you how to handle the devil. I talk as though I'm an expert in that, and I'll assure you I'm not. But I know what the Bible says. Listen. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written. What did he mean? He meant it's found right here. The answer to every one of the devil's temptations found right here. Every one of them. The first thing the devil wants you to do is to distrust God. And the best way to get you distrusting God is to get you out of the word of God. And you won't know how to trust him. Because you don't know his promises. Dear precious people, if we don't get back in the book, we're going down the tube. We can sound spiritual here in this church tonight. We can sound as though we have all the answers and we're living the Christian spiritual life. But in actuality, we're living lie because we don't know the truth. Now, I'm coming back to it again. Prayer is the key to power. The Word's the key to strength. And if you don't know the Word, you'll get shot down. Because you'll begin to distrust God because you don't know what God has promised. There's a verse that just rings in my head constantly. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. There's some other things that I've learned. God's wise, folks. God's wise. He knows when I can handle certain things, and he knows when I can't handle them. He knows when to withhold and he knows when to give. 
The devil comes around and says, you don't believe what God's saying, do you? You don't believe the way God's treating you, do you? Look, God's shortchanging you. You can have everything right now. All you've got to do is get out here and get it. And what it does is it takes you away from Jesus. And then you find more misery and you know what to do with. Because you won't trust God. My oldest son, Don, has been desirous of a job since he'd come back off the mission field. He went for an interview with a pharmaceutical firm to be a pharmaceutical salesman. You know, one of the first things they told him, one of the biggest mistakes he ever made was to, was to go to Latin America on the mission field for three years because that looks like he's lazy and doesn't want to work. Now, he came and told me that. And I looked at my son in disbelief. And I said, son, you don't believe that, do you? Well, dad, that's what they said. I said, let me tell you something. That's an ignorant fool that believes that. I said, son, God's got exactly what you're supposed to have out there, and he'll give it to you when you're ready to handle it. But he's got enough wisdom to know not to give it to you until you can handle it. He said, Dad, that's the world. I said, I'm aware of that, but that's not God's people. All that's in the world, Dad, are worldly people. That's a lie, folks. They're godly people out in this business world. Somebody's lied to him again. Because there are some godly men working out here somewhere. Let me show you something, folks. I know John White has a job. I believe he's a godly man, don't you? There are godly people out there that know better than that, and that won't look bad on your resume. He's trying for the pharmaceutical job. He went to his first interview and he went to his second interview. Received basically good reports, but he's very frustrated he wasn't going to get the job. And they as much as kind of shelved his resume. And he thought it was over with until they called back. Said, we'd like to talk to you again. Went for his interview and they sent him to Dallas, Texas. Two days ago, for his third interview. Walked into his third interview and was received warmly. Walked into the fourth interview, which was there that same morning, and was received very coldly, and as much as said and stated in these words, I do not believe you're the man for the job. For if you really wanted to be a pharmaceutical salesman, you would be applying to more places than just this pharmaceutical firm. My son had been praying about this job. My whole family had been praying about this job for my son, as well as other friends that we had asked to pray about it. He called his mother and said, I don't believe I'll get the job. For the last interview said, I do not believe you're the man. On the way home, his car broke down in Carlisle. He flew back into Little Rock, got in his automobile, and started home. His car broke down in Carlisle. He had to spend the night. That night, we received a phone call at home. Last night, received a phone call at home. My wife told that man out of Memphis where our son was. He called him, told him, you have the job. 
Now, I want you to understand that God can provide. But I want you to understand my son didn't need the job until then. He needed to see it was God. I love my son, folks. I'm not being critical of my son. But my son has been stripped of most everything. God sent him back to the first job he had while in high school selling clothes in a men's clothing store, and that was humiliating to my oldest son. And I had to stay out of the way and not say anything because I could see God working. God had to bring him all the way back down to where he found out who he really was. Now listen, folks. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God exalt you and he got his job he called home and told his mother and he was squalling and shouting and he said there's no telling what the people in the room below me are thinking right now now I'm going to tell you what he's doing in that hotel room motel room over there he was thanking God with all his heart Lord God it was you don't tell me God can't provide And don't you listen to the lies of the devil. Because the one thing he wants, number one is he doesn't want you to get saved. But number two is if you do get saved, he doesn't want you to be a good testimony. And number three is if there's any way possible, he will destroy your family. Because if he can destroy your family, he can destroy your church. Now folks, God is God And we're going to have to learn how to walk by faith. Well, we haven't done anything at Calvary Baptist Church in 15 years. I don't guess we're ever going to amount to anything. Uh Uh-huh, the devil's been knocking on your door, hasn't he? Now, you think about that, folks. Because as a church corporately, the devil will get you so dissatisfied you'll begin to murmur and grumble and complain, and divide, and you'll destroy yourself. you let the devil destroy you. You won't wait for his provision, nor will you accept his provision. At the appointed time, he'll exalt you. We need to see these truths. And we need to quit taking things into our own hands, and by that I mean operating with our own rationale, without consulting God, and letting God speak to us through our spirit that overrules our rationale. And he can give us the answer. Give us what we need. And keep us going. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now I want to show you something. If you turn with the book of Deuteronomy in the 8th chapter. You see the Lord always quoted scripture to answer the devil. See a lot of people are floating around today thinking they got all the answers. I get tickled at these young people that have these souped-up cars with these shaded windows, and they know how to scratch rubber, and they're accepted in the crowd on the campus. They think they're somebody. Now listen to me, folks. If you don't know Jesus, you're a nobody. I don't care what you've got. That's worldliness. That doesn't mean God can't give to a child of God those things. But I'll tell you one thing. If God allows a child of God to have those things, it'll wreck them more than it'll help them because they get to thinking in the flesh all over again and get real proud. I've hardly ever seen it fail that they didn't go that way. That's not being critical. That's stating fact. In the 8th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, 
beginning with verse 1, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. For what reason? To humble thee. To humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Are you going to trust God's way or are you going to make it your way? You see, they're having a hard time with God's care for his people in the wilderness there. But now notice verse 3. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Folks, did you know God sends you into some of your dry spells so you'll learn how to trust Him? He's got to put you in the dry spells. He's got to put you in the wilderness at times. He's got to let you walk there so He can show His hand mighty to you and me. The greatest experiences I have ever had with God was when I was down on the bottom and had no visibility of how I was coming out. And then He appeared. He said, I've done it for a purpose. I want you to learn how to walk by faith. Brother Wade, you don't understand my circumstances. The devil with your circumstances. It doesn't matter. God's God. I want you to think about that. When will you start walking by faith and trusting him when it looks like it's all wrong? When I resigned my pastor at this time, I had no idea where I was going. And I had no idea that I was going to where I'm going to. None. None whatever. Never crossed my mind. Received a call from this church at this camp meeting and said, Brother Wade, there's someone here who wants one of your resumes. A pulpit committee is requesting it out of Little Rock. You know what my answer was? You don't want my resume. They said, yes, we do. And I told my wife, I said, well, I'll bring it to you. And I transferred a resume right out here in front of your church when you were having this last camp meeting to the hands of another man, Clois Perkins. And when I transferred it to him, I said, Clois, this is ridiculous. He said, the chairman of the pulpit committee wants it. But okay. Went back and told my wife. Well, I did what they asked, but that's foolishness. They're not going to look at me. Ned and the first reader. Come on, folks. Not me. And that church is even stunned at how quickly I became their pastor. They were also to move us this coming Monday... We received a call today and said, can you move Saturday? You pray for us. Now we've got to get ready by day after tomorrow, or two days from today. 
and moved to Little Rock. And as I called the chairman of the deacons, he'd called home, and the call got to me here, and I called the chairman of the deacons in Little Rock, and you know what he said? Brother Wade, we've got a house for you. 3,000 square feet. Jacuzzi in it. Playroom in it. All the room you need. Who, me? I'm going to play for a while. I'm going to find out what jacuzzi means, all right? Folks, let me tell you something. Now, let me tell you something. Just not long ago, I told my wife, I've gone as far as I'm going in the ministry. I feel like it's just time to give it up. I'm over the hill. Thank you, Lord. You brought back my faith in you. Because nobody but God could have done what's happened here, folks. Now, that's not just for me. That's for Calvary Baptist Church as well. When you think you've gone as far as you can go right here, think again. God can show you you'll go a lot further. But you're going to have to do it by faith. Just distrust the Father to sustain Him. Take matters into His own hands. Isn't that what we're doing today? We're taking matters into our own hands. We've got it all figured out. Temptation. Now let me say something here that I want to fit in. I want you to see this all the way through, all right? You heard me say a night or two ago, no cross, no crown. Let me say something to you folks. As God's people, He said there's a cross you've got to bear. We don't like crosses. We'd rather have the road of much ease. And we will naturally be inclined to find the path of least resistance. But all of you here know how a diamond is made. It's put under pressure. Many of you here know how the best steel is made. It's sent through the hot furnaces. But none of us want to go through them. Now, we don't mind empathizing with someone else who's going through them. We don't mind halfway shouldering their burdens as they're carrying them. But, Lord God, don't let it come on us. But I want you to know something. If you're going to be special and receive a real crown, you're going to have to bear the cross. Some experiences that have come in your lives, some experiences that have come in my life, were very needful in order to humble me and to produce the grace in me that God wanted. And if the circumstances hadn't been there, it would have never been produced. Folks, you wouldn't be what you are today if you hadn't gone through the circumstances you've been going through for the last ten years. You would not be. But because of what God has allowed you to come through and brought you through, you are who you are. And you've got something you wouldn't have any other way. Now listen to me. 
it's natural for us to desire to go the way of ease. We do not want to have to suffer. But God said if you're going to be godly people, you're going to suffer. Now what do you want? Do you want to be godly people or ungodly people? And may I say that every time he puts you through an experience, didn't he say you have a high priest here who's been tempted in every way you've been tempted? And yet he never sinned? And that when we have times of need, he is there for us to give us what we need to endure what we've got to go through? Folks, let him squeeze us till he gets the sweetest of aroma out of us. Now listen to me. You can do one of two things with what God sends your way. You can rebel against it and get ugly and bitter and cantankerous, or you can yield to it and say, Thy will be done and become very sweet. It's your choice. Would you be sweet or do you want to be bitter? What do you want to be? Do you want to carry no bitterness around because of having, leave, having to leave Barton? Do you want to carry no bitterness with you all through the years? Or would you like to just get sweet? Let God have His way with us. He allowed that to come to pass. And it was for a purpose. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me. And he lied there. For that is delivered unto me. Oh no. He can't do anything but what God allows him to do. He doesn't have the right to give that away. It's still God's. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. You know what he said? He said, now, if thou be the Son of God. He tried to bring distrust. Now he comes down, here's what he says. He says, now if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything you want in this world. Oh, dear people, you hear me with this. Young people, those of you who are in junior high and high school, if you just want to be the queen of the ball, you fall in and do what the guys want you to do in that age group, and friends, you can become the queen of the ball. You know what they're saying? If you'll do this, I'll see to it you get that. That's the devil's lie to you. Businessmen, you can just get paid in cash. You don't have to report it and you can hide it. The devil said, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll see to it you get everything you want. Folks, you go back and check the vast majority of millionaires we've got today and everything they've got has come by crooked means. Come by crooked means. Well, honey, if you'll just go to work, we can buy that finer house up on the hill down there. That's the devil's lie to you. You can have the house and lose the love you've got for one another and for Jesus. Or you can do without the house and keep the love you've got for one another and love Jesus. Obey Him. Don't throw it away. I want to be popular. I want to be 
have great glory and fame. I want to do this. I want to do that. Dear precious people, do what God says do. Worship Him. Worship Him. Don't let this world throw you for a loop. There are more lies out there than you can shake a stick at that the devil set up out there to make you think it's all glitter and fame. Friend, it's nothing but misery. Got a man in this town right now that's living a miserable life who at one time was on the top of this world and won World Series ball games and won the World Series championship through his pitching. And he's miserable today. All the fame. And left Jesus out. See the price that has to be paid? Folks, you want to be God's child? Let me tell you something. Brother Paul Ragland was in my house one night. He got a phone call from a pastor. Was asking him to come and hold a meeting. I heard him. He said, no, my brother. He said, uh, you can get anyone you want. I'll just help the little churches. Brother Paul Ragland, Brother Charles Shipman could be pastoring 20,000 member churches. But they chose to be in the center of God's will and minister in a place where they're not recognized as great. There's a crown as the care of the cross. Quit trying to be somebody and become a nobody and God will make you somebody one day. He'll make you one. If you'll just do that. I can remember when Gear Carthen laughs the heart, he fell off the front porch on Plaza Street in that old house we were meeting in when he heard I was a preacher. Gear and I graduated from high school together. Almost a form of humiliation. But folks, I'm going to stay with Jesus. I love Gear. Don't you misunderstand me now. He's a friend of mine. But he doesn't understand why I'm where I am. And God let me pastor the little Calvary Baptist Church. And God let me pastor the little Riverside Baptist Church. And God let me pastor the little Barton Baptist Church. And God let me interim pastor the little Cason Baptist Church. And nobody knew anything about Wade McCarley. And then one day God said, Son, I want you to go pastor 1,411 people. Do what, Lord? Son, I want you to go where you've got three staff members and two secretaries. I want you to go in a city where the people everywhere need to hear about me. But Lord, I've been down here on the backside of nowhere. That's all right. I want you to go here now. Just stay with God. Folks, it's important that you're willing to bear the cross. And there's a crown down the road. Don't let the devil throw you with a loop, tempt you into a direction that wreck and ruin you. I think it's extremely important. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You just do what God wants you to do and quit worrying about everything else. I want you to look in the book of Deuteronomy again in the sixth chapter. 
Verse 13. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. Now, folks, listen to me. He said, you're not to go after the other gods of the people that are round about you. You know what he said? He said, don't you go out here chasing these gods on these football fields. Don't you go out here chasing these gods down here at these country clubs. Don't you go out here chasing these worldly gods. You worship me. And when you start worshiping that, and that is you put that before God, friend, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. When anything else comes before God, we're in trouble, folks. We can't do that. And we need to teach that to our children. Amen? Now, I want you to notice what he's saying. He says, And to whomsoever I will, I'll give all these kingdoms. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. If you'll just worship me. Who? The devil. You'll just worship me. I'll give you everything. And he will. But it's temporal. And we need to be aware of that. What it'll do to us. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now folks, I want to tell you what you have here. You have a struggle in your bosom. And here's the struggle. The struggle is whether or not I will walk with God and serve him, or I'll take the world. And I'm going to tell you from experience, it ain't easy. I've walked a many a night behind Riverside Baptist Church on the drive back there and looked up and just cried out unto God over my children and how they had to do without certain things because of where we stood before God. But it was the place to stand. And I'm going to tell you it wasn't easy. I'm going to tell you it will tear your heart out because you want your children to have things and you want your children to be accepted everywhere and you want your children to be popular and you want your children to be successful in the world's eyes. You want them to be accepted out there. But dear friend, when God says that's not my way, you've got to make the decision which way you're going to go. And I've wept and I've agonized and my chest has almost exploded at times with my children in trying to say, Oh God, why can't you let my children see what I see? That I won't have to battle this like this and I can minister to this church as I ought to minister to them and I wouldn't be caught up with this. And I can look back now and see, God says, Wade, I was preparing you you're going to have to help some people down the road in this area because they're going to get hurt. And you're going to have to be there to help and hit as many off as you can, but you just rest assured you won't hit all of them off. Folks, there's a struggle in here.
going to go on all the time. And the biggest struggle we have is with our children and their success and their welfare. That'll lead us up quicker than anything else I know. We can do without, but we can't stand to see our children do without. And it'll wreck us. It'll tear us down. Everybody else in the junior class has got a car. My child's got to have one too. To the extent that I'll sacrifice and take on a second job to provide it and then turn them loose with it to wreck and run. I don't mean to sound ugly. I'm just stating a fact. That's what'll happen, folks. Permissiveness has never helped anybody. Never has. It's discipline. And did you know that this Christian life is a walk of discipline? As Brother Paul Ragland used to say, it's just a series of choices and decisions. Which way are you going to go? And you have the choice as to which way you'll go. And we need to see it. Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Get thee behind me. Trying to obtain a crown <clears throat> without the cross. There's a price to be paid, folks, for the crown. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, here he goes again, If thou be the Son of God, that's been settled, folks. Now listen to me. I keep saying that that's been settled because it should be settled in us today. And if it's settled in us that He is the Son of God, then by the grace of God, we want to live what He says to live. It's the bottom line. I didn't say it's going to be easy. I said there's a cross to bear. We're going to be God's people and have the power of God on us. There's a price to be paid. He set him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now, I want you to know that as we understand it, that was the outer wall of the temple complex there. And from the top of that wall down to the side of that cliff was 450 feet. And Satan says, now, I want you to do something. Here's what he says. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written. For it is, who said for it is written? The devil said it. Now, hear me. If you don't know the word, the devil will take the word and twist it to make it say what he wants it to say, and he'll deceive you. You don't believe that? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Man says, I believe, therefore I'm saved. He's a liar. He's never been born again. He twisted it, didn't he? And folks, he's twisting it from the pulpits today. That's the tragedy of the matter. He's got preachers in the pulpit believing that. And they've missed it. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. You know what he said? He said, Now, Son of God, prove your point. Now, hear me, folks. I'm a child of God, and the world's crowd will always dog me to try to make me prove that Jesus is the Son of God. I don't have to prove that to anybody. He is the Son of God. I don't have to prove it. That's what we have to come to. And dear precious people, we can't stand there unless we believe in our hearts that Jesus is in fact the Son of God. 
I said in our hearts. I didn't say in our intellects. He said, prove your point. In other words, be presumptuous if you will. Presume upon God and tempt God so that you might be exonerated. God didn't say I had to be exonerated. God said He's God and I'm to walk by faith. It's a walk of faith, folks. A walk of faith. I'm grateful I've come to the place to where I don't have to prove it anymore. Jesus is God. That settled it. That's the bottom line. And there's such a truth to be seen there. Now let me say something about this in relationship to Christian people. Folks, God protects the righteous man in all his righteous ways. Now hear me. God protects the righteous man as he walks in righteous ways. You step out of bounds and you're not protected by God. You're going to get hurt. And Christian people across this land are being hurt over and over and over again because they've quit walking the righteous way and started walking the unrighteous way. And what they did was this. They came to a place to where they placed a false trust in Jesus. Now remember Satan started off with a distrust. Now it's a false trust. We think we can do anything we want to because we've been saved. That's a lie. You can't do it. And Christian people all across these lands are doing that. And then they're taking that telephone and ringing up the preacher and saying, Preacher, what happened? I thought God would take care of me. Listen, folks, when you step outside the boundary lines, you're on your own. The devil has free access to shoot you down. If you won't stay under the truth of God's Word, he has free access to shoot you down. And don't you think he won't? He will. He'll blow you out of the saddle. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. There's a word again. Now I want to take you back to the book of Deuteronomy in the 6th chapter. Well, I'll tell you, Jesus knew the word. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look with me at verse 16. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. How did they tempt him in Massa? Look with me in the book of Exodus in the 17th chapter. Exodus chapter 17 beginning with verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel. And thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, 
I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of who? In the sight of the elders of Israel. He did it in the sight of the elders of Israel, folks. The others were unworthy of beholding his power. Now hear me. Many Christian people today never see the power of God because they're unworthy to see it. They're tempting God. And they never see it. They can come right into the midst of your service and never see the power of God that you see. Because of their tempting God. What are we saying? We're saying either we're going to obey or disobey. We're saying that we're a very ungrateful people. We've forgotten what God did for us back there in Barton. He redeemed us. He brought us out. We're saying that it's either going to be faith or no faith. Which way are you going to go? How are you going to walk? It is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now folks, the last verse. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him. When he found out that he was standing with real faith, the devil departed from him. Now, I didn't finish that verse, did I? For a season. As long as Christian people are on the face of this earth, the devil is coming around time and time and time again to tempt us to disbelieve. Distrust him or put a false trust in him. Now, folks, the question tonight is, are we distrusting the Lord? Are we putting a false trust in our Lord that he is tempting him? Or are we walking in complete trust with our Lord? You know what God wants us to do? To walk in complete trust. I'm going to tell you something. The Christian life is a life where a cross is born in order to receive the crown. You'll have to accept the cross if you want the crown. And without the cross, there'll be no crown.